Welcome to Workforce Inside, the podcast for business leaders looking for fresh insights and solutions to today's most pressing workforce challenges. I'm your host, Bhushan Sethi, Joint Global People and Organization Leader at PwC. In each episode, you'll receive new ideas from experienced practitioners who are helping employers drive workforce transformation. Confirming a company has the talent it needs is a basic building block for success. And according to our most recent Executive Pulse survey, investments in workforce are on the agenda of every board and management team for 2022. In this episode, we'll discuss the important role that managers have in influencing that talent agenda to drive both growth and manage risk for their corporations. Joining me today is Julia Lamb, a frequent guest on our podcast, and also delighted to welcome Terry McClements, a senior leader in our transformation practice and a former people leader at PwC. Welcome both Terry and Julia. Thanks for having us. Yeah, thank you for having us. So. Julie, you've done these different maker questions before. Let's get to know Terry a little bit. So Terry, my question to you is, what did you want to be when you grew up? Oh, Bouchon, don't laugh at me when I share this, but I wanted to be an air traffic controller. And I think one might say that that is exactly what I do, just in a totally different form, not in the air, right, but on the ground from a overall people leadership perspective, leading my teams and working and collaborating with clients. So that's what I wanted to be. There's a lot of air traffic to control right now, and you do that very well. And Julie wanted to be an architect, which she also kind of does a little bit in her role. So wonderful. Thanks for that, Terry. So when we looked at our latest Pulse survey, we saw what was really interesting is talent on the agenda is driving growth and is critical to managing risk for our clients. 77% of the executives see their ability to hire as critical to growth. And 48% see talent acquisition and retention as the biggest risk today. Any surprises there? I'll start with you, Julia. Well, I think just given the number of requests and questions from every level, from CEO all across the C-suite, all the way down to our clients who we work with on a day-to-day basis, we're getting a lot of questions around this. And the pace and frequency of them is certainly increasing. In some cases, the question's coming in with panic. We're getting a lot of our employees are leaving. We're not going to be able to hit our project objectives. We're going to have to delay go lives. Lots of really critical key man risk that these organizations are having to manage. So it's not too surprising. So what force is the strategy right now, Terry? Yeah, so I'd say I wasn't surprised to see it as well, given the interactions that I have with boards and CEOs and their executive teams and CHROs. In order to meet the growth objectives that companies have, you need to have the right talent in place. And given what we've experienced the last 12 to 18 months, whether it's the great resignation and the ability to have national talent pools, whenever we used to sometimes be dependent on geographic talent pools, It's never been more important than ever looking at and delivering the right experience for your employee group to meet those strategic objectives that every company has. And I think it highlights this complicated environment we're in. We saw that 62% of our clients are actually saying they're increasing compensation this year. A significant amount expect inflation to stay at elevated levels. So the cost agenda, whether it's labor costs, product costs, supply chain is going up. Our clients have to reimagine their business. Julia, you mentioned transformation. Transformation is the second biggest priority that our clients are going after, the first being talent. 
What's our advice to clients as they're managing this complex set of changes on the cost side, on the labor side, on the revenue side? Well, Bouchon, you hit on compensation, but the other things that we're seeing our clients pull from a talent retention and attraction lever perspective is more hybrid working. 43% of clients identified that they implemented it and will keep it. 34% said they've implemented it over COVID. They're going to revisit that. And then another 18 are still considering it. We're almost at 100%, right? Everyone's looking at hybrid. The second highest thing that companies identified from a priority perspective is increasing career advancement and upskilling opportunities. And compensation was third on the list. So they're really thinking very broadly about the talent strategies they put in place. One other big aha I had from the survey was, obviously no one has a crystal ball, but we did ask respondents how long you expect this trend, this talent issue to sustain. 31% of respondents said they expected the issues to still be in place at the end of the year. So no majority is really looking at this as something that's going to ease suddenly. Obviously, there's ties to market conditions and everything else happening in the labor market, ties to inflation, other things like that that are driving some of these changes. But certainly companies are really taking a serious look at this because they think it's going to be here for the long term. So we're coming back in a hybrid form. We no longer have to debate that. It's going to happen There's a big focus on tight talent markets. Firms need to transform and grow and reimagine revenue streams and deal with this inflationary environment. There's a huge pressure on managers to lead and engage and inspire in a very different way. Terry, how well equipped are managers across the U.S. to deal with this right now? Bouchon, that I think is the question that I am dealing with the most. And just to your point, and maybe I'll do some statistics here. In the survey, we had... 35% of the respondents say that increasing communication between leaders and employees was critical in terms of the employee experience as well as retention. And the second item I'd point out here is providing training for managers to lead teams in a remote environment was cited 30% of the time as a key item to address. And I'd say that experience in terms of continuing engagement, those leadership capabilities of our leaders of people, right, leaders of teams have never been more important and challenged in this environment. And I like to say we can have all the great rewards, all the great benefits, all the compensation. You have to take the basics off the table in terms of people feeling fairly compensated. But you also have to think about the authentic relationships, the authentic leadership style that somebody brings to the table when they're leading people. And if you can indulge me with Sean, with my favorite quote, I always love to talk about Maya Angelou's quote, which she says, we learned that people will forget what you said, people will forget what you did, but people will never forget how you made them feel. And I think there's no more important time than now for people to feel that their leaders, their people leaders, their leaders of teams, that they are cared for on an individual basis. Right now, a lot of the American workforce is feeling pretty burnt out, pretty anxious about coming back and worried that they're losing the agency and the flexibility that many knowledge workers have been afforded over the last two years. So how do we do that, Julia? Well, it all sounds like doom and gloom the way you said that, Bouchon, but I do think there's a lot of excitement about it too. But the thing that people are really anxious about is having the say over how their day is. They don't want to be micromanaged and told, this is the day you're going to be in, this is where you need to be, et cetera. They really want to be able to have the flexibility to come in. And when you think about how an organization manages that, I think a big piece of it is trust. 
and making sure that you empower employees, you give them some of the leeway to really be able to do their work in their own way to a certain extent on their own time. I always talk to my teams about how I make it all work, how they make it work. Some people love to catch up on work on the weekends. Some people like to work later in the night to get things off their plate and people have different preferences. So I think a big, big part of it is establishing that trust with your teams. But also you've got to look at some of the formal mechanisms that surround that. So thinking about performance, if you want to manage by outcome rather than by hours in seat in the office, that's a big way that you can also start to shift some of the organizational levers that enable you to create that trust with employees. Those are just a couple examples, but definitely some of the basics that are going to help an organization go back to the office, but in a flexible way. Yeah. And I love the point around kind of giving them a sense of control and some agency and being brought in around the decision. Terry, you mentioned the importance of management training. One of our clients that I'm working with is actually incenting their managers to help reimagine the work so the work can actually be done in a more asynchronous way so that people can actually have more flexibility and work from different locations. I'm curious having done this for a number of years, what are you seeing as the big focus now? What do we need to be training managers on? That's a great question, Bouchon. I think that what we need to be thinking about training managers on are those I call broadly communications and leadership skills. In addition, looking ahead to see the trends. So you mentioned, Julian, in transformation before, the world is moving so fast. We should move forward from what we've learned over these last 12 to 18 months, actually two years in the environment. And I think what leaders need to focus on is agility, seeing and looking ahead and embracing that change. The workforce expectations have changed, I think, forever, at least for what is left in my lifetime. So embracing that forward-looking agenda and being willing to lead through change. One of the things when I speak to executives at our clients that concerns them is the creativity. So how do we actually get people bringing their best authentic self to work, but actually helping reimagine the business model and the supply chain and the transformation and how this work gets done? Are we going to incent creativity? Are people going to be concerned that they're going to be rocking the boat? Do people know how to build those collaborative relationships with colleagues and start to reimagine solutions? I'm curious what you're seeing there. I think one of the biggest things here in embracing creativity, but also just embracing innovation, I mean, these things are really closely connected. And one of the biggest things I think that a lot of our leaders need to do is to step back from the ways they're working and the ways they've been used to working and try to learn from their more junior employees or people who are from other disciplines and look at what they're doing and see how might that translate to my team? How might that translate to my organization? I still see it. I see it a lot within our own teams. I see it a lot within client teams. There's a lot of resistance still around new ways of working. I do see a lot of teams are embracing concepts around virtual whiteboarding, working in new ways, creating interesting new dashboards and activity trackers and things that they can use to collaborate. But I do think ultimately it's about pushing the limits, trying new things. If you hear an idea and you're not totally bought in, well, maybe give it a chance and go to the agile methodology. Maybe it's a fast fail and you go back to the old way, but maybe you learn something from it. I'll just add, Julia, to say, be willing to experiment and show that you're experimenting as the leader. So I'll go to our experience internally at PwC. 
as we started our digital upskilling journey and continue on it because the pace of change continues, I had a digital accelerator, basically a reverse mentee who helped me see the art of the possible with all of the different technology that was emerging. And it made me more efficient. It made our team more efficient in terms of experimenting and actually changing the way we work, right? To find time to do the things that are more meaningful, the development of the relationships, the actual insight and perspective instead of data gathering in certain instances. So embrace and and be willing to be vulnerable and share your journey and your experiences, I think is critical for a leader. So the managers are on a journey, and I love the points around gathering ideas from everyone and reverse mentoring. I'd like to move this on to talk about workload. So something that has been an issue through the pandemic, it continues to be a concern across all sectors, is workload. Now, managers have some control around that for their people. We've heard about everything from four-day work weeks to more flexible schedules, sabbaticals, reprioritizing work. But I'm curious what advice we're going to give to managers as they come back to the office 2022 around how they can really make a meaningful stance on managing workload. I actually have a personal lesson learned even just this week on this one. I think the biggest thing to talk to teams about is just being transparent, sharing what's going on, giving them a chance to opt in or opt out based on their own workload. Again, it kind of goes back to that theme of empowering One of my teams this week, we were just talking about how busy everyone was. Someone on the team had a personal issue, had to be out of the office suddenly. And we had a small proposal we had to do for the client on top of the regular workload and all the deadlines. And so I just said, oh, gosh, I know the team's so busy. I'm just going to do this on the side and not bother them with it. I know they're all sharing the load of someone being out an extra day and the aggressive deadlines. This morning, I started getting pings from the director on the project saying, hey, The team doesn't feel good that they didn't know about this proposal going on. I assume it's about bandwidth, but gave me the upward feedback that I should have still like empowered them to have the decision and be able to opt in or opt out where I just thought I was kind of helping out. And I think it's just a good lesson for anyone in a manager position to basically be thoughtful about giving people those opportunities, giving them transparency to what's going on. Even if the outcome is in the end the same, I'm still doing that piece of work you're helping them understand why or why not they might be included and they get the ability to have a say. And I took that away in this instance. So it's challenging when everyone's so busy and you think you're doing the right thing, but you have to think about those things and including teams in the decision-making. Yeah, I would just add to that, Julia. I think you're spot on is the frequent check-ins. As we go back into commuting, those who are going to be commuting again, right? It's understanding what's going on in the life of your individual. And I actually, I'm going to share a story. So something that impacts a lot of us. And I was excited to talk to one of our partners a few weeks ago. He was so excited. And I thought, oh, he's telling me about some incredible transaction that was going to happen. Well, he told me about two life events on his team and said, I have some great news for you. One of those events was somebody's baby was sleeping through the night. And that creates a great dynamic in terms of your ability to work. So really understanding what's going on with your team. And Julia, lesson learned, right? Ask the team, should they support you? Should they not? Instead of just taking it on yourself. So know your team is my advice. And managers being comfortable, Terry, to actually ask those questions and probe. I mean, we've got to know our colleagues and knowledge workers have had the ability to know colleagues in a very different way and kids and dogs, et cetera. And it'd be interesting to see how we keep those good behaviors. And people are comfortable with being very authentic as they do come back and operate in this hybrid world. 
I'd like to talk a little bit about different sectors. Being a manager in a manufacturing plant, being a manager in hospitality and retail as they look to ramp up staffing, it's obviously very different to driving a big regulatory-driven transformation in financial services where many people may have been working remote and slowly coming back to the offices. So just curious how you're seeing this differ across different types of workforce and different sectors. Yeah, it is different in different sectors. In many cases, we know the knowledge worker went remote, but the frontline worker, pick any sector, stayed in. And I still think the key thing here is that authentic, transparent conversation. In certain sectors, you've mentioned already, certain sectors have lost employees because several have just decided to go out of the workforce or the business just wasn't there. And now as the business comes back, we're seeing increased incentives to attract people into certain sectors. And I think what we're going to continue to see is creating an environment where people have opportunities to not just enter the workforce, but then have career potentials in some of those areas. Some of those industries, I think is going to be critical. Embracing change. The way we work is different forever. Yeah, Terry, great point. And one thing we've been really working with our clients through is the concept that their talent market and competition for talent has changed. Obviously, there's not a geographic barrier anymore for some of the more knowledge workers. But you even have to think about how easily people can move around because there's so much demand. It is a time for someone to be able to take a new chance, take a leap and try something new had they been hoping to do it for a while. Oh, and by the way, they can get well compensated for it. So it's certainly an interesting time for people to be moving around, whether that's in person and people who've not been able to make a shift. Some of those roles, people are just burning out. Think about medical workers. I remember reading this article about school nurses and how they become contract tracers and how challenging that role is. School administrators, it's just so fascinating to see the new responsibilities and strain that's been pushed on a lot of these resources. But simultaneously, for those that are able to work in a hybrid model, you're just seeing a total evolution of talent competition. And that's driving a lot of changes in terms of how companies attract and retain those talents. And I would add longer term, as we think about those jobs that can't be performed from home, the 85% of the U.S. workforce, as per the January BLS report, the more we can start to digitize those jobs so that they can actually become flexible and people have the opportunity to either work from home or work in a hybrid world, that's the next challenge we all have post-pandemic. It's not necessarily making everything wonderful for the knowledge worker. That has to be done. But we've got to think about how we bring that flexibility and agency, as you've both mentioned, to the essential workers of which have been the significant majority. I'd like to now zoom out. So we've talked about the important role that managers have in driving the growth agenda, managing all the different aspects of talent risk. There's a big role that HR leaders have around this, whether it's their role in driving change, the HR programs in place. And I'd like to start with our former chief people officer, Terry, if you're in a role today and you think about these issues that you're now advising clients, if you were running these functions, where would you start around some of these topics we've talked about today? Oh, you had to send me a hard one there, Bushan. Actually, I would literally start with, obviously, you got to think about workforce planning, right, and strategy, but paramount to all of it, and this is McClements' belief, is the experience matters. So I would understand the pulse of the organization and what is happening on the ground with my teams. There's a digital component to drive efficiency, but you still need people to run any single business. So I start with what the pulse of the place is and then execute from there. That's how I look at it. 
And Julia, we have HR leaders in CEO positions. We have HR in the hot seat now. The workforce topic is in the boardroom and at the C-suite. What advice would we give HR leaders around seizing this moment? Well, I think Terry hit on it a little bit. The time is now. And I do see with our clients differing degrees of people taking that opportunity and stepping up or just being buried in the reactive nature of a lot of the things that's still hitting HR leaders' desks, the high volume of mental health and well-being issues, the recruiting issues, just trying to even keep their own staff on the HR teams, let alone fill in succession planning for senior executives, plus be the strategic people leader and help the organization redefine what it's going to be, how its purpose and values tie into an employee experience. There is a lot on this role. And it's really complicated. So for HR leaders, I think it's lean in, surround yourself with good people who you trust and ask for help. I think this is not just a problem that is an HR leader alone. This is every business leader's problem and they should have skin in the game too. I would say, Julia, it's every CHRO, people leader, whatever you want to call it, opportunity. There's never been a better time than I think to be in charge of the people agenda because it impacts everything that is going on in a company. And then the final question for me, while we've talked about the importance around workforce and the growth agenda and managing risk, the critical role that managers play, the important role of human resources, what's our advice to the employee? I'd say the advice to the employee is lean into the opportunity that exists out there. It's never been a more exciting time to bring your skills, your competencies, your agility to help make an organization move to the next place in its journey. And I pile on, I think that a little of my advice is be kind of selfish. You are the person in the end who has to watch out for your mental health and well-being. Other people around you can only go so far as to say, hey, take some time, take a breather, but also be selfish about what you're trying to get out of your career. Right now, employers are feeling pressure to keep employees happy. So it's your chance to say, hey, I really want XYZ kind of opportunity. I haven't been getting it. You know, you still are part of the team, so don't go crazy being overly selfish. But I do think it's a good opportunity for employees to basically say, hey, let me be clear about what I'm trying to get out of my job. And this is what I want. And I'd love it if we can figure out a way to make these things happen. And what you're both highlighting is if the power has shifted to the employee for whatever period of time, let's act in that way and actually engage in the dialogue and put issues on the table and be part of the solution and take a creative risk every now and again. Wonderful. Julia and Terry, thank you so much for joining me today. Been a great discussion talking through the importance of the talent agenda, the great opportunity that managers have to engage and drive productivity of their people, and also some great advice for HR leaders and employees. And thank you listeners for tuning in again to this episode of Workforce Inside. Please do visit our website for more insights on how to tackle your organization's workforce challenges. Please subscribe to this podcast and check out our previous episodes. Thank you. This podcast is brought to you by PwC All Rights Reserved. PwC refers to the U.S. member firm or one of its subsidiaries or affiliates and may sometimes refer to the PwC network. Each member firm is a separate legal entity. Please see www.pwc.com structure for further details. This podcast is for general information purposes only and should not be used as a substitute for consultation with professional advisors.